when I was doing my acting and I was going through a border, going through something, you know, yeah, if I screwed up, that was they just kill me. I think I'm a pretty good actor. So if they need me to play a super villain, I think they wouldn't. They probably almost never have to do reshoots. I just nailed every time. I'd be like, hell yeah, you want me to be a super villain? Come here, motherfucker! Right, you're just ripping people's faces <laughs> off and stabbing them in the head. What's up next? They call me Doctor Jones. Known as the Night Tripper. Got my satchel of gris in my hand. Dig me tripping up and back down the bayou. I'm the last of the best. They call me the Gris Man. What's up, everybody? Got many clients. Hello, welcome, greetings, salutations. Around. How the hell are you? Happy holidays. <laughs> We're running a little behind schedule this week. And uh, I'm sorry about that. I've got a good explanation, though, if you'd like to hear. But first and foremost, welcome to the Po' Boys Podcast. I'm that motherfucker, Jody B. And the reason I'm running late is because... Uh, I had a very special guest in, in store for this week, and we made a, an appointment to speak Sunday morning for Veterans Day. Now, my guest is Kristen Beck. Kristen Beck uh, is a retired Navy SEAL and spent a very, very long time in the service, and I thought it would be really cool to have her come and be a guest for Veterans Day. And... She, she liked the idea. Everything was good. Now, I thought I was going to get to speak with her before she, you know, went to any kind of ceremonies or anything like that. thought it was going to be just a fun conversation. I mean, she, she spent 20 years in the military, and also she's open about her life and, you know, her struggles and her, her journey from retiring from the military and then being first openly transgendered uh, Navy SEAL. So she's definitely a person of note and just kind of amazing when you think about it there's a lot of stuff to be a part of and to navigate that i'm sure takes somebody who really you know has the the fortitude to make healthy decisions and keep a clear head and and move forward i wanted to have a conversation for veterans day i thought it would be really cool you know to to pay homage to some of my family members that have passed away some of your family members that have passed away and I mean, it's Veterans Day, so it's really not about people that pass away. But that's what happened was I talked to her, and you'll hear it in the, the first portion of this conversation. Uh, she is at Arlington National Cemetery in Virginia. Uh, there's a lot of soldiers buried there. A lot, lot, lot. It's kind of a big deal. She was there for a few different ceremonies that they had throughout the day, I'm sure. I guess I caught her on a bad day, and I didn't realize it. You'll hear it in this this next segment. About 15 minutes into it, we start talking about, you know, just when you stand here and you see these tombstones, it makes you realize what we're fighting for, you know? And I think I realized at that point that I fucked up, and I probably should have tried on a different day. Kristen Beck has had a lot of experience with military service, and it's a heavy day for anybody that served, I'm sure. So basically what happened here is I got to speak with Kristen for 30 minutes or so, and uh, we were going to reconvene that day. I got busy, 
<laughs> I installed a, a new toilet in my house with a bidet, and I got a funny story about that we'll save for the end of the show. But basically what happened is it took a couple days for me to reconnect with Kristen. She uh, was happy to come and have a candid conversation to sit and talk about you know her life and some other stuff that was going on. So this is a two-parter kind of. There's going to be a break in the middle, maybe some music or something like that, and then we'll jump into part two. But I just wanted to give you a heads up. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we did have to kind of shuffle around and make a two-part recording out of it. But I think it worked out really well. The first 30 minutes or so is really intense, you know, and it's just it's somber. And I think I got what I wanted to out of that. And then I get to have a conversation with a legit badass Buckle up, y'all. Enjoy. Veterans Day. I have a very special guest, and it's. I'm actually really nervous right now, so I'm going to try not to stumble over my words too bad. Joining us this morning, live from Arlington Cemetery, is an amazing person, 20-year 
veteran of the United States Navy SEAL team. My guest this morning is Senior Chief Petty Officer Kristen Beck. Hey, thank you for the introduction. So yeah, I'm here. Uh, I'm here at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier for the national wreath laying here at Arlington Cemetery. And uh, we're all starting to gather up. It's one of those super somber occasions that you're just privileged to be able to be here in D.C. for this. Absolutely. And it's the 100-year uh, anniversary of the end of World War One. Paying homage to all those that came before us is just such an important, such an important gesture that every American should understand. It's really awesome. Did you get invited to come out there, or did you just go just because? Well, I'm the uh, I'm the national advocacy officer okay. for the military order of the Purple Heart. And so I'm here representing the Purple Heart. I will be uh, laying a wreath myself at the uh, Women's Memorial in a, in a couple of hours. Right. So, I, I knew you had that planned. So is it just like an all-day thing uh, there that they do, just a few things throughout the day uh, to kind of commemorate? Yes, there's multiple events at different areas for different groups. So the big one, this is going to be the, the national Reslaying where the president or vice president will lay this wreath here at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. So this this one I think is the big one, and then uh, then there's a lot of other ones all around the cemetery for uh, different groups. So the Women's Memorial will have a pretty large a pretty large get together there, and uh, that's paying tribute to a lot, a lot of all the women that served. Uh, that's something I think a lot of uh, a lot of people forget. We were uh, getting on the shuttle bus to come over here to this ceremony, and the uh, gentleman was reading a. Uh, a welcome from the secretary of the VA, uh, Secretary Wilkie. And uh, when he finished the secretary's talk, uh, and I don't, know if, I don't know if it's in the secretary's official uh, what he said, but he basically at the end of it, he said, gentlemen, thank you for your service. And I was like, okay, gentlemen, thank you for your service, but there was a lot of women that served too. Yeah. And I just think it's a, it's a forgotten fact. And uh, I think the Purple Heart, the military and the Purple Heart were taking great strides to recognize the women, we have almost 200 Purple Hearts received by women since 9-11. Well, that's and I just think it's a, it's something that we need to start remembering. And uh, so the Purple Heart, I'm the advocacy officer, and my job is to uh, advocate for women and uh, other minority groups, uh, African Americans, Latino Americans, uh, Native Americans. You know, all of those who have served, who have had wood in combat, we want to let them know that the uh, the Purple Heart is uh, wide open arms and, and joining our group, you're going to join a brother and sisterhood of purple. <laughs> There's no color, no gender, no anything. We're just all a bunch of purple uh, purple people who, uh, who go to Congress and we, uh, and we fight for, you know, bills in Congress and different things. And we advocate for all veterans. You know, at the VA for VA benefits and such. So, and it, that's who I'm with right now. There's a lot of women that have received the Purple Heart over the years. And uh, I just think that we're an organization, just like the VFW, the American Legion, and everything else. We're a veteran service organization. And I think the stereotype for many veteran service organizations is it's, it's that VFW bar that's all smoky, cigar smoke and a whole bunch of old guys telling war stories right and so if the stereotype is old white men smoking cigars getting drunk telling war stories a lot of women just don't want to be part of that and i know that's also kind of holding back a lot of the uh younger generation because for me i go into one of those vfw american legion type bars and that setting you just start seeing uh, the older generation telling the war stories and doing their thing they sometimes don't recognize us or they just keep on doing their thing and we don't really always feel that comfortable. And so we're trying to break that myth and that stereotype and the VFW is doing the same thing. This isn't 
everything we are. You know, I mean, you're going to find those bars still around America, but it's not the it's not the predominant uh, image that we have of any of the veteran service organizations. Right. There's a lot of organizations who are fighting really hard trying to uh, change the VA. We're putting bills in front of Congress. We're advocating for a lot of veterans in many ways. All of the VSW, VS, VSOs are working really hard to advocate and to show who we are and to try to make a difference for a lot of veterans in their lives. It's really sad to see just kind of the level that's, that's being taken care of our fighting men and women that have been fortunate enough to come back, you know? Yes, yeah. I, yes. I know that you're no stranger he, to it. I've, I've had a lot of friends, well, he, friends, wives, husbands, and people that are just, they come yeah. back and they just don't make it, man. And it's it's so upsetting. Yeah, that's a fact. <laughs> The, the VA does a lot of good things. The VA does a lot of bad things. And I think it's like any organization, you're going to have, you know, you're going to have some bad apples. You're going to have some mistakes. Right. And the VA has definitely had their share. And I think they're working real hard to try to fix a lot of those errors they've made. And it's a, it's a huge organization, you know, covering an immense amount of uh, folks and all walks of life and all different types of you know major injuries all the way to just give an aspirin for somebody that did a walk-in because they had a flu or something. So it's a it's a really big undertaking, and uh, so I, I take my hat off to the VA to to doing a great job in many ways. But I also I'm gonna I'm gonna poke them, and I'm gonna I'm gonna you know give them the punch of once in a while and saying, hey, you screwed that up, you screwed that up. You no, know, it's a critical uh, a critical eye and a criticism. It's a corrective criticism because we want them to do better because we know we need them. Right. And I want to do everything I can for the secretary and everyone else at the VA to try to help them. But I'm going to criticize them. I'm going to tell them they're doing things wrong. We're going to do better. That's our job. Well, it's definitely your job. With yeah. your military experience, with the life that you've had to live being the tip top, <laughs> the the point of the spear, I, I bet that you have a hard time <laughs> taking uh, excuses or, or anything else very lightly because yeah. it's like, yeah. well, no, you just don't want to do it. You can do something. <laughs> let's let's make something happen. Yeah. You know, it's, they need people like Sorry. you, and that's that's the point. So I'm glad that you're there, you know, ready to take on all comers. Yeah. Like, you need to hold some people's feet to the fire, but also tell them when they do a good job. Say hey, you know, let's oh, let's yeah. keep moving. There's always work, and we need that within the government. I mean, it's critical critical for the government to have people within within the White House, within every other level of government, where we have disagreement, we have debate, and we try to and we criticize, and we're not fired for that criticism. I think that's one of the issues right now with the White House is within the White House they need some naysayers, they need some people poking them in the ribs and saying, hey, that's wrong, and hey, this we need to fix this, and you need to point out the issues, point out the problems. But you also need to come up with solutions. And so even now, after everything going on in the White House, I would still volunteer to work at the White House because we need people up there who will have a different point of view and maybe criticize and correct and uh, without being afraid of being fired. Oh, yeah. You know, every organization needs that. You can't have a whole bunch of yes men all walking around or you're going to go off the track. Caesar in Rome had a uh, someone on the chariot behind him saying, you know, you will die soon, you know. This is fleeting. In every victory parade, there's always somebody riding in a chariot behind a Caesar, you know, poking him and saying, hey, you will die soon. This is fleeting. You will die soon. This is fleeting. And I can't remember what it was, you know, the actual Latin quote. I'm sure somebody will come up with it. I'm sure you can also. But there's a Latin quote saying, basically, every leader needs someone poking him in the ribs and saying, hey, this is wrong, and hey, this is fleeting. Hey, be careful what you say. You know, this is your life is short, you know, and this will be forever. So it's it's one of those things they need at the White House right now, desperately. 
is to have some people there to uh, to let them know what's good and what's bad. I, I want to help. I'm I'm glad you're there. <laughs> I, I think that if anybody, you would be very convincing. Ozzy doesn't fire me on the first day when I say, hey, sir, that's wrong. <laughs> you just dropkick <laughs> his fucking podium. <laughs> okay, bye. But I, I, wish, <laughs> I wish more people would stop protesting and start being an advocate, you know, and being activists. You know, protesters can do the big middle finger, and they can hold up the signs, and they can burn everything down. That's a protester's job. But as an activist like I am, we can't do that. You know, I can I can respectfully disagree, and I'm always respectful, and I will uh, attempt to tell you what the issues are, and I will always give you solutions, and I won't always agree with you. But that's an activist job, and I always have to have the lines of communication open. Uh, whoever I'm working with as an adversary or as an opponent, opponent, you're never the enemy. You're just an opponent. You're just on the opposite side of the aisle. But I will always reach across the aisle. And I'll always try to you know, compromise or come to some medium area or try to fight for my rights, what I believe, but I will always try to keep the lanes open so I can still have conversations and still work with you and make something happen. And I think that's a problem we have right now, especially with the younger generation, is that the younger generation has turned into a whole bunch of angry protesters. So at a time that all they're doing is yelling and, and jumping up and down and burning stuff down, you're going to fall on deaf ears, you know, pretty soon. You just won't listen to them anymore. It's just, it's too much. I think it's already so Some of those protesters, I'm praying that some of the younger generation, some of them will turn into activists. Some of them will understand and learn how to communicate the issues and come up with solutions and work with their opponents and come to some conclusions that can be beneficial to both sides. That's something that I think we need to work on quite, quite hard right now. The younger generation, if you're listening, yeah. please, Pay attention. we need you to protest, but we also need you to be activists. We need you to work a little different strategy. Right. We want you to start explaining your issues and come up with some facts and all the backgrounds and everything else and work with us, work with everyone, work with both sides. That's my biggest, my biggest shout out, I think, to the, to our younger generation. Just, we need, we need to do a lot of work. Yeah. Be a little better, learn how to communicate a little better. It does seem like a lot when you see it on TV. It's just people throwing fits and setting shit on fire, and it's like that's, yeah, that's just going to get you arrested, man. <laughs> and then, yeah. then what? You're going to start a riot from jail? Yeah. <laughs> that's not going to do very yeah, well. Yeah. And a lot of times when I'm when I'm doing this, I uh, I very often with I'm I'm with my little group and I'm in my in my own area in my own lane with just my folks. You're going to see how angry I am about a lot of things, but you'll never see me do that in public. Yeah. You might see me voice some opinions in public that are pretty strong towards my my convictions. You'll see me get pretty strong, but I've never I'm not gonna burn it down. You just can't do that in public. I think it's lost on a lot of people. People that just haven't really had a lot of adversity or have learned how to to deal with that kind of stuff, yeah. and now they just lash out. Yeah. And it's I don't know. Yeah. It's either, is it them? That's the parents? I don't know. <laughs> it's not my my job. But, but to if say. you can. You can see it on both sides, though. So both sides are just angry and burning everything down, and they're fighting. And there should never be a fight within any of the Americans, especially in politics and everything else. We can have debates. We can have angry debates, but we're always respectful, and we always understand that, hey, that's an American brother or sister. That's my, my colleague. That's someone who I have to work with. We need to stop burning this down. That's the shit that drives me crazy when I see it, when it goes that far. We're on the same team here. Like, what the fuck are we doing right now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We ought to be on opposite sides right now, but it's the same team. It's, you know, it's so strange. The same overall fight, which is a fight for liberty. It's a fight for the true American values, which are liberty, it's freedom, you know, it's honor, it's integrity. It's, it's all the things that we can hold dear that 
we all try to live on. And I'm looking across these rows and rows and these fields of white stones here in Aradan. And this goes back, you know, hundreds of years. This is, it makes you really step back and understand how precious freedom is and how, how fragile it is also, you know? I mean, this could be gone. You know, this whole country could be gone and totally changed. Yeah, in a matter of, of decades or a generation, that we need to understand that our freedom and this great experiment, you know, this great American experiment is, uh, it's only a couple hundred years old. It's not, it's, it's very fragile. Yeah. And I think that France is, uh, is somebody who we can look up to also. The great French experiment, I mean, it started with the French Revolution and everything else that was going on. And now, right now, France is like our, it's our big liberty brother or sister. It's what we should be looking at when France sent us the Statue of Liberty and saying, Hey, you know, you know, you're you're our little little sister, you know, our little brother across the water. That we always gotta be hand in hand and fighting for the same thing. I think we're kinda losing some of that. I think it's something we need to understand how fragile this is. And I'm, I'm almost at the point where I might not be able to talk here in a little bit. I understand. More people should come here to Arlington and understand what the sacrifices are and what they actually sacrifice themselves for. That has there's to there's be no heavy. color, there's no gender, yeah. there's no anything. This is just a, a lot of folks who have given their lives for, for this, for this freedom for this liberty that we have here in America. This is what the sacrifice is about. I think that's the thing, Kristen. If you don't see it, you don't realize it. And right now you're standing in, like you said, no color, no shape, no ethnicity, just tombstones. Look at it. These are the people that that gave their life for us. (laughs) And if you don't see that, then you don't get it. I've been to a few veterans cemeteries. I've never been to Arlington, and I'm sure it would be very overwhelming to stand there and see it. And that's something that if you you actually stand here and you see these fields and fields of stones, they're all identical. They're exactly the same. And I think it's when, when we pass away, you're the same. We're all equal. There is no gender. There is no anything. You know, we're spirit. We are... We zero out. So if you look at this, this is a great metaphor of life. That we have all these attributes and things, but when we're gone, all we are is a single, exactly the same stone. When we die and we're gone, we're the same thing. We're this energy, we're spirit, we're soul. Whatever label you want to put on it, there's nothing left of these attributes that we are walking around here. You know, you know, there's no longer any color. There's no longer any gender. There's no longer anything. It's just that single thing that's left over. This field of stones right now that I'm looking out across, this is an exact metaphor of what it really is. We're all the same. I just wish people could see that. I wish people could walk past me and look at me and not see clothing or color or gender or whatever you want to say that I am. This is not me. What I am is so much deeper than that. What I am is, is just my spirit, is that energy that's left over. And that's what I fight for. That's what I actually talk about most when I'm even on shows like this. And I want to talk about who we really are as human beings. It's not my clothing. It's not my gender. It's not any of this stuff. That's not me. If you really don't know me, sit down with me for a second and you will you will see the spirit of me. You know what I mean? And I can tell it just from sitting here. Look, I've been going over videos 
documents. I listened to your episode with Brooke and Randall a couple times. Like, I really wanted to kind of be in the right uh, headspace to talk to you today because I didn't want to mess it up. I have the utmost respect for you. You have been an example of the way people should be. You've given a lot of your time and a lot of your life for this country, for people's freedom, and it upsets me when I watch you do a video and you're being so sweet and happy and you can see it like there's a little bit of sadness in there behind that smile because at the end of the day I know that people still fuck with you and I can't imagine what that would be like to deal with the kind of shit that that you've had to go through and then to have somebody just be a prick I just I don't it's infuriating I was in uh, I was in Florida yesterday and uh, I I think most people in your audience should know who this is but Martina Navratilova they breed dogs down there they're uh, Belgian Malinois and uh, so she gave us one of the dogs out of her litter. And this is like a dog. It's a $10,000 dog. Oh, yeah. They're bad. This is an amazing, <laughs> amazing dog. And so I'm working with this group called Wounded Paw Project. And so we rescue dogs from shelters and we train them to become service dogs. And then these service dogs are given free to veterans who need these dogs. And uh, Martina found out about the project and she offered one of her dogs out of her litter. And I was like, you can't a Belgian and one of these dogs like like the dog she's given us it's just like wait Martina and this dog it's also amazing so normally we work with rescues right and uh but this was just a this was one of those chances to have an amazing dog to give to a veteran and especially coming from her that's really she's cool. truly yeah. amazing <laughs> that's really and uh cool. so I, I I was with her for a while and uh talking to her and uh it was truly truly amazing she's just such a kind kind-hearted person and she really wanted to help support veterans in some way. And this was a way that she felt she could really uh, make an impact and really help out some veterans in her you know, way. And uh, so I, I flew the dog from Florida back up here to D.C. yesterday. And then uh, so that was my day yesterday. I was just taking care of the Wooded Pop Project. And then today I'll be here in Arlington. I'll be laying a week later at the Women's Memorial on the infrastructure. But there's so many Americans that really do things to help veterans in, in so many different ways that they uh and this is really a true way to help it's not just a it's not just a word like thank you it's not just a yellow sticker on the back of your car it was a substantial something more than that more than just two words she gave us a dog to help out the project and uh it's not always you know necessary to to give money or funding you know, volunteers. There's so many different ways that you can help out the veteran community. There's a local VSO probably just up the road from you right now, and everyone listening right now. There's there are many many ways that you can help out. So just saying thank you or putting a yellow sticker on the back of your car. You know, it's really nice. You know, thanks a lot. But there are 22 veterans committing suicide per day. Yeah. I think that number is a little lower now, but we we're having some issues with a lot of the uh, Korean veterans, with Vietnam veterans, with the Iraq Afghanistan veterans. 22 veterans are taking their lives or taking their own lives every single day. And you hear that number and you understand the, the impact of that, that it's, a, it's whole generations that are being lost. These people dedicated their lives and now they're gone. They took their own lives. Why? I want to, I want to really dig in and what is the reason why and how can we help and what can we do? I think volunteering at some of these places and something more than just a thank you. Go to one of these places and spend a day. Go to the VA and be in a welcome center. Or just like Martina, you know, Navratilova did. She gave us a dog to, to bring into a program so that we can train this dog to be a service dog to give to a veteran. And I truly believe these dogs are saving lives. 
you know, and volunteer and go to some of these places. You're showing these people in some of these retirement homes and other places. We're showing them all these veterans. You know, we care. We care more than just two words. Thank you. We care enough that I'm going to be down there for a whole day. And I'll be here with you, you know, taking care of you and sitting with you and listening to your stories. And I'll give you some of my stories and we'll trade some time. You know, this is what's going to save some of these guys' lives because it's not, there's just left alone, you know, and we want to do more for these guys. So if you can, if you can do anything to, uh, more than a thank you, if you're a volunteer or if you have a big program or you have a company, you know, give a little bit in whatever way you can, you know, any little thing helps. You know, there's, there's many, many groups out there that are trying to help. We need to end this 22 veterans taking their lives today. You know, I think it's 18 or 19 per day. Yeah. But think about that, it's 18 or 19. Many. So we're getting we're getting better, but 18 or 19 per day, that's still unbelievable. It's unbelievable losses. So we need, we need to work on this. So everyone out there listening, you know, pass it on. You know, the thank yous, it's real nice. Thank you. But... How about a little bit of time? How about something from your company? How about just a little, a little bit more than just just giving two words? You know, to show them that this your sacrifice meant something. You know, the twenty years you gave, or the one year you gave, or that one deployment you did when you were drafted to Vietnam. You know, that it's huge. You know, there's only one percent of Americans uh, serve like this. You know, not very many. So there's not very many of us. So the ninety-nine percent out there, please. How about a little more than two words? How about how about another gesture? Would be super appreciated. And if only one percent about you, one percent of you all out there do something more than just saying thank you, that's huge. That's twice as much as what we're getting right now, as far as volunteering and everything else. Yeah, shit. When you think about it, if you have so how a little bit more than nothing. No, I, I like it. I wish that uh, that veterans were a little more uh, eager to share stories. Because one thing that I do love is to talk. I, I would I would absolutely <laughs> love to sit down and chat. But I'm, I'm a civilian, you know. Like they don't. <laughs> even some of the the veteran friends that I've had, they don't really get into stuff. And it's just I don't know if it's yeah. a generational thing. Like maybe younger people, yeah. you know, that went just didn't have the same. Um, you know, mental sta- status is the older generation. I don't know, man. Yeah. But I feel like a lot of the ones that I've known that have unfortunately taken their lives have all been younger. You know, and it's yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's very strange. I've I've had a few friends that have that have taken their lives. And I just it's it's funny. Like when you're in a moment and you're looking down there at that pistol, or you're doing whatever you're doing, and you're thinking about it, it's going through your mind. It just happens, and then but then all the people you left behind, and everything else, and everything that's left undone, and there's so much work that we need to do. There's so many more missions that are left undone, and then you're leaving, you're quitting the mission, yeah. and we need you. We need you to help out all these other veterans. We need you to be here right now during this re- replay. We need you to do. We need you. The mission is not is not finished. The mission is not complete, and so when they do take their life like that, and they're gone. It leaves such a uh, such a hole in the veteran community that they need to remember that you always need to remember that all of your friends and all your family and everybody else. And now you're gone, and we and we miss you. We need you here. We need you for mission. I need you here to be right here by my side. I need you to shake my hand. I need to I need you to buy me a beer. Damn it, you know. And, and we got to trade some new stories. Uh, there's so much more to do. There's so much left undone. So 
you can't leave us. You can't leave them hanging. The mission continues. I like that slogan, uh, Tristan. I really do. Mission. I think, don't quit the mission. I think we need you is definitely a driving slogan for veterans. That's that's kind of the the most poetic thing I've heard. I wrote a TV, <laughs> I'm sorry. I wrote a TV screenplay, a TV show that I'm trying to get done right now, and I think I have some leads on it. But this might actually get out there on TV. But it's called Charlie Mike. Continue the mission, and it's about loss, and it's about how we are with our families. It's about all these issues I'm talking about right now. So this this TV show series is about all of this. So it's gonna be it's gonna be an amazing show. It's uh it's gonna be deep. It's gonna be nothing like you've ever seen. There's not gonna be firefights and all the other stuff they have on all these military TV shows. It's uh it's gonna be much deeper than that. So you hear the bells ringing right now. I do. I understand. You hear the bells in the background. So the bells in the background. I am right now at the Tumen Unknown Soldier. It's gonna be for the national replays. And uh, the ceremony's gonna start in a minute. But uh, later on, after all this is over and I and I have some time, I wanna continue the conversation. And I think you had a, a few questions to ask me. So uh, so let's uh, stop for a few minutes, take a break, and uh, let's uh, continue this a little later if that's okay. That's perfect. Just uh, text me. You've got my phone number. Okay. okay. Okay, thank you. Wonderful, Chris. I'll talk to you a little later. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Goodbye. Bye bye. <sighs> part one my heart is pounding right now <laughs> this woman makes me nervous <sighs> okay this shit was intense man <laughs> i guess you just don't think about it until somebody's actually telling you like there's a lot of fucking people that are gone and i guess we all should do a little more to help we need you we fucking need you man we call them cool those hearts that have no scars to show the ones that never do let go And risk the tables being turned We call them fools Who have to dance within the flame Who chance the sorrow and the shame It always comes with getting burned But you've got to be tough when consumed by desire Cause it's not enough just to stand outside the fire We call them strong Those who can face this world alone Who seem to get by on their own Those who will never take we call them weak Who are unable to resist The slightest chance love might exist And for that forsake it all They're so hell-bent on giving Walking a wire it's not living if you stand outside the fire Standing outside the fire uh, well, now that we're here, we can sit here and kind of be candid, you know, and I know that it was kind of a weird day. You had a lot of stuff going on, so I'm hoping to kind of get more. You know, this this show is usually a lot more lighthearted. I mean, we talk about serious stuff, but it's usually just, hey, how are you? And fart jokes and stuff once in a while, you know, like it's yeah. it's not that heavy. And uh, I know that in the last couple of weeks, Kristen, I've, I've really 
studied a lot into you and I'm just fascinated by you. I think yeah. you're an amazing person. And I really, yeah. I know that that day in particular wasn't really a day that you probably wanted to kind of step into the spotlight because obviously it was a, you know, a, a memorial day of sorts. So yeah. I wanted to kind of give you an opportunity now to tell me a little more about okay. your project. You've got a movie. Kristen, is there anything you don't do? Could you, could you want to start that list? Would that be yeah. a little shorter? <laughs> <I've>, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess I've done quite a few things, you know, written some stuff and I have a column. We try to publish once a week, but it's definitely not going to be once a week. It might be once every two weeks. Right. But uh, it's in task and, task and purpose. And so a task and purpose I like because I have an eclectic group of columnists. We kind of keep it a little lighthearted, some of the stuff we write about. I think overall task and purpose, it's it's a little bit more on the lighthearted side. But it comes up with some re- very, very serious topics. If you read in New York Times, you're reading some of the bigger things. They're going to jump into a serious topic and just like just slam it out. And it's going to be that way all the time. But if you think about the military... We could be in the middle of combat. We can be in some really serious situations. And we always have to have a little bit of humor, you know, the dark humor and whatever, just try to lighten the situation up. Because our job, especially when you're in the middle of a war zone, just terrible fights all the time and just stuff going on, you become humorous. And that dark humor really starts becoming like the basis of you just to hold on to your humanity, you know? And I think that's the coolest thing about Task and Purpose is. We've taken that dark humor and we've taken that trying to hold on to humanity that we do in the middle of combat and we've brought it into the civilian life and civilian topics and, and things that are going on. You know, so if you don't if you don't read Task and Purpose, it's it's a pretty cool place to get really good information from a, a military combat military guy's perspective. You know what I mean? It's a cool place to go for to read. Absolutely. So, so no. check out check out Task and Purpose. I, have to so I write columns for those guys. I, I'm working on a couple of TV shows. Did you say it's? You told me one that was uh, like I guess like a drama. Ch- Charlie Mike. Charlie Mike. Charlie Mike. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was trying to remember the name. Yeah. I go, it's too, it's the call signs. What is it? <laughs> Sorry. No, uh, we talked yeah. about that. What is Charlie your Mike. what's that's your cool. reality I mean, show? That's a super. Charlie Mike is going to be a super serious TV show. That's going to be dealing with all the the transition from military to civilian. It's going to deal with the dudes coming back who are. You know, injured, and the guys who come back, your visible injuries, the invisible injuries, invisible wounds. You're going to see the family dynamics and everything else. So Charlie Mike is going to be a pretty, pretty serious show. But again, a ton of dark humor, yeah. you know, throughout the whole thing. So it's going to be super dark in some places, but it's going to be some funny, really dark shit. So you're, you're going to laugh, but you're going to be like, damn, why am I laughing? But <laughs> some, some places, some of them you can't help. You're going to laugh because it's true life, man. These are real real stories. So the other thing I'm working on is going to be a reality show, but it's, it's going to be a reality competition show. So basically, a lot of women have gone through ranger school. You know, a lot of women have tried, and uh, there's a number of women that have succeeded. Uh, there's a, a female that just made it through the selection process for being uh, MARSOC, the Marine Special Operations. Oh, shit. And she made it through all the training, and she was qualified, but none of the teams picked her up. No one picked her up. And I think that I think there's a disbelief amongst a pretty large population in America that women are capable to do a lot of these jobs. I think that that disbelief and that maybe there's some cheating going on or some there's some fishy stuff going on you know they made it but you know they probably you know pencil with it they kind of they changed the numbers a little bit and they let them get away with 
and those kind of things are being said. And I know I've heard it myself. So it's not, this isn't like, it's not fake news. This isn't really going on. People are talking smack about these girls, you know, these women who have dealt out the girls. Because these are, these are women. These right. are, you know, badass <laughs> women. badasses. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but this is the doubt I want to try to dispel. The, the myth that there are women who are capable to do these jobs. That show is going to be $100,000 per hour. And we're going to put them through uh, SEAL-type training. It's going to be some SEAL training, Ranger training, SF training. We're going to take a whole bunch of the hardest things that you need to do to qualify to be in any of these you know, special operations teams. And you're going to be able to watch these 20 women doing these you know, incredible feats right in front of your eyes that they would be qualified to go through this training. I think it's a so great we're going to capture them and put them in prison camps. And we're gonna, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a really tough course. 20 women competing, so it's going to be pretty cool. You uh, mentioned before that not a lot of women uh, are, you know, more women that were able to do those kind of jobs. Why would they do, you know, military service? They would go be professional athletes. They would go do other stuff. So it's, yeah. I think by shining yeah, a light on that, you might actually – you're going to mess around and end up with a Lady Terminator. You keep playing around. <laughs> You're going to have your fucking yeah. hands full. Well, I know there's, there's a, <laughs> there are a ton of women that are capable to do this. But, again, the pool gets pretty small when you talk about you're going to have to enlist in the Navy or enlist in the Army and how many women are actually doing that. Right. I think the, the force right now, and at the VA, I heard the numbers a little bit ago, at the number of 17% of veterans are women out of the population of veterans that are getting service at the VA. So 17%, it's a pretty low number that's when you really think low. about it. Yeah, yeah, that's not... So if you think of the population of women is, is at, at least 50% of our whole population, I think it's probably a lot more than that. But uh, so if you are this top athlete, triathlete, and you're female, you know, you're going to go be in the Olympics or you're going to go do... You know, there's so many other things you can do besides join the military, which I think is, you know, it's a bummer because, I don't know, it's not a bummer. It's just it's just the facts, you know? I don't know. I'd, I'd like to show this on TV, and maybe we can get these numbers a little higher, and women will see that there's a lot of jobs they can do that, that are open to them. They would want to join to go be a SEAL or to go be a Ranger or Green Beret. It sounds like a great idea, <laughs> and I can't wait for it. I think it's going to be wonderful. I remember when you talked to Brooke and Randall. You know, we're good friends as far as the, the podcast stuff goes, and uh, I listened to your episode again yeah. just to kind of follow up. Um, I remember you said that, that it's it's a tough job, man, and, and you've literally got to be able to to carry yourself up, you know, what, what 40 feet with 100 pounds and get like, you put a gun to my head. And I, I've been shot in the face. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I've got motivation. Like, this is, you put a gun to yeah. my head and go, hey, climb up there with, you know, a, a hundred pounds on my back. Yeah. I just don't know yeah. how it's going to go, Kristen. <laughs> I'm going to get about but that's what I was saying, 10 is feet. That, is that people don't understand. The training that we go through, all of the training we go through is specific because we have certain missions to do. And so for the field teams, one of our really big missions is climbing up on those ships. So you have a ship that's going, you know, 15 or 20 knots. That's like, what, 25, 30 miles an hour in the ocean. And they're going across 10 to 15-foot seas. So the ship is going up and down slamming pretty hard. And then you hook a ladder onto that, and the ladder's only about 8 inches wide with these metal rungs on them, these real, you know, narrow metal rungs that you're climbing up. So in your mind, imagine all this, and you're doing it at night, and a ship is slamming all around, and you're trying to sneak up there. You're trying to be really quiet at the same time. So you got to climb up. You know, 30 or 40 feet. And it's, it's you, and you weigh 200 pounds, 
Plus, you have your body armor on, which is weighing, you know, 10 to whatever pounds. You have your weapon, which is another 6 to 12 to 15 pounds, depending on what weapon you're carrying up. You have all your ammo and your grenades and your extra gear, your radios, and all the other stuff on there. So you're, you're basically going up with your weight plus at least 50 pounds extra stuff, and you're going up that 30 or 40 feet. So when we have these guys doing the pull-ups, there's a certain amount of pull-ups that you have to do, and you got to be pretty strong upper body strength, and you have to be pretty pretty tough. So that's why we have you do the pull-up test. So here, hang this, and we do it with the plates. We'll put 45-pound plate on with a belt and a, and a chain, and uh, get up there and do 25 pull-ups. Yeah, go for yeah. it. <laughs> you can do it you or got. you can't, you know? You do it or you can't. Holy so shit. I remember when I finished SEAL team training, you know, I could get up on a pull-up bar and just just fire out 50 pull-ups, you know, without even breaking a sweat or just go. couldn't even be breathing hard. Airborne school? <laughs> right. Here's the funny thing about airborne school is we all the SEAL team guys, we go to airborne school after SEAL team basic training. And so we're going through the SEAL team buds, basically a lot of demolition school, which is just a, it's a six-month workout, 50 pull-ups, you know, 10 miles. And then going out for two miles swim. So this is every day for six months. So we show up at Airborne School, and Airborne School is made up of a bunch of 18-year-old, you know, future warriors. But they're 18, just out of high school. They went through boot camp. Now they're at Airborne School. So most of them are not in very good shape. Hey, you're just smoking them. <laughs> I feel like this is you're doing these. Just embarrassing oh, yeah, folks. We're doing these stupid runs, and <laughs> we're, it's a mile, and we're doing the formation running. And it takes us like an hour to go a mile. It's like, oh my god. <laughs> They run so slow. Yeah, right. You just make fun of them. You just laugh at people. (laughs) Can't stand it. We run circles around them and we run back and forth. We do wind sprints. Uh, And uh, every time you go to the chow hall to get inside the chow hall, I think they make you do like five pull ups or something. Right. Because the line goes past these pull up bars. You do five pull ups or maybe ten. I don't. I don't remember how many was. It was a super low number, and we were like barely getting the workouts anyway. So we're just like, so every time before we go to chow. We're just going to fire out 50 pull-ups. But uh, you have to imagine there's, there's hundreds of people behind you. Just wait. And they want to do five pull-ups just because they want to get up on a pull-up bar and hurry up and get in there to move the line. <laughs> and so if you now have you have 10 seals doing 50 pull-ups, right. it takes too long. Char- you know, the line starts getting clogged. And then you have the black hat. Get off that bar. Get off that bar. And we're going, no, nah, we got to get a workout in. And I'm not done yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we're making noises. It was, it was freaking nuts. Just, and the army guys would get so mad at us. So then they drop us down to do more push-ups because we were doing too many pull-ups. Right. We're like, now you're going to punish us? Who's going to do push-ups? So we started doing some push-ups, and I was thinking it's cool to do more than, like, 25 pull-ups because then it turns into torture or something. Right. I don't know. They have these rules in the army that you're not allowed to do certain things because otherwise you're being mean. You're not allowed to be mean as a drill instructor to your, you know, the people going through your training. I don't get that either. <laughs> and so they start getting upset because they think they're getting yelled at because we're doing too much. They're like, damn, can't get a workout doing 10 push ups. I want to do at least 100. <laughs> Turn around and do one handed. They'd, so, they'd, so they'd get so angry at us. But what are you going to do? So, I don't know. You're operating in tip top yeah, shape. And uh, that's something yeah. out, out of this whole experience. I've, I've basically been obsessed with you for like the last month, just looking at stuff and. <laughs> Because you've been reading too much about me. <laughs> I guess it's. I've been reading about you, yeah. and I, I've read a. Now I kind of made a fan with uh, with Don Shipley. He's kind of like a new favorite guy of mine. <laughs> I watch his yeah, videos. Yeah, Shipley's pretty cool. Man, he seems like a funny guy, but he's I know all about that really he, protecting the brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate what he's doing, and I think yeah. that that 
he needs to be doing what he does, yeah. but he's also pretty damn funny. Like you said, the dry sense of humor, the dark humor, yeah. like his videos, oh, yeah. he's chewing yeah. people out, but every once in a while he'll sit there and just be eating a corn dog, drinking milk out of a jug, just staring at a camera, yeah. you know, making jokes. Just doing something funny, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, love his it. His wife has pretty good humor. I think it's great. And, you know, it, out of this it's whole process, I think what I've, I like them. as a couple, they're pretty cool. Yeah, they're great. And it's so crazy to say, like, I looked it up to see how many. There's not a lot of (laughs) y'all. There's really not when you really sit down. Yeah, a really small number. You possess a a trait that not a lot of people have. And it's crazy to me to know this. As a group, you know what you're capable of. You know your full potential. As a human being, as a person that, that, that has operated... At the highest levels, you know exactly what you're capable of. And there are people that will go their whole life and never know that. Yeah. And that, yeah. to me, is fascinating. Was, like, just to know where your limit is. And and I can get there if you need me to. <laughs> That's just, it's so crazy. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's really pushing, it's pushing the limits of, of physical and your mental, you know, like duress and everything else. And really pushing those limits. So. And I guess everybody can appreciate that because... A lot of people don't have the chance to do that. You were talking about... Um, like a lot, going, you know. Yeah, well, you were talking about going undercover, basically. You know, being in full get-up, and it's like... you. you they were talking about having you be like a, a supervillain in a movie, you know? And, and you said something yeah, yeah. about you've got more yeah. acting cred than half of these people. Because in real life, you've had to act for your life. Like, you've been in situations yeah. where yeah. if you fuck up, this is game over, yeah. son. Like, what are we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> and... That's why it's funny. Uh, I think it, the conversation was about acting. What about actors acting? Is they screw up a scene, they just go retake and they just reshoot the scene. You didn't really pull that one off. You weren't convincing. Right. Let's do a reshoot on that one. So they could do the ten reshoots. But yeah, when I was doing my acting and I was going through a board or going through something, you know, yeah, if I screwed up, that was they just kill me. I think I'm a pretty good actor. So if they need me to play a super villain, I think they wouldn't. They probably almost never have to do reshoots. I'll just nail it every time. I'd be like, hell yeah, you want me to be a super villain? Come here, motherfucker. Right. You're just ripping people's faces (laughs) off and stabbing them in the head. What's up? Next. (laughs) I just tore one of my dog's legs off accidentally. Right. You said you just. (laughs) My bad. I'm sorry. (laughs) I was being a super villain. I just tore my dog's leg off. (laughs) I started gnawing on the end of the bone, and I was blood is dripping. I was just kidding. Hey, that's yeah, it can not, be a good super film. That's okay. Hey, that sometimes you might it's, have it's to. All in my house. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it makes him more loyal. He stays close. I understand these yeah. things. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. It's it's funny the acting thing. And the only reason I was even in that conversation about becoming an actor, actress, whatever you want to call it, I was talking about that conversation because of the the younger generations. They followed Hollywood like as religion, you know? And a, and a Hollywood person can say almost anything, and they're just totally brainwashed to the point that they'll do whatever anyone in Hollywood says. But then if you have somebody in politics or the military, or you have someone who's done a lot in their life and is very knowledgeable and incredible amount of wisdom, it feels like you're talking on a brick wall. Nobody's going to freaking listen to you. I was, uh, so I've been kind of a trans activist for a while, and I was giving speeches at, at universities. I had a university professor who had a transgender daughter, and I was there with him the whole week. And uh, for a couple of nights, I crashed in his basement. He had a guest room. And so it was uh, him and his wife and uh, daughter and son. I was in the basement sleeping. So 
so I'd be after eating some food with them and watching TV until we got ready to uh, go to the event to go give speeches and all that. The daughter, the transgender daughter, who was like maybe 15 or 16, she couldn't give two shits about me or anything. The father was like, hey, this is Kristen Beck. You know, she was a Navy SEAL and did this and did that. And was talking about me and trying to, like, talk about what I was up to. And uh, she was like, oh, okay. And then she just walked away. So she didn't <laughs> want anything to do with me. And then I, something came up about Laverne Cox, through someone in Hollywood who's a transgender also. Laverne and she started freaking out, going, oh, my God, Laverne. And she was, like, going to pass out. I don't know. So it's just if you're an actress, Wait, the younger okay. generation will swoon and do anything. But if you're anything else, they don't, they don't, give, they don't give anything. They don't care. So that's why I said I should just become an actress. And maybe somebody will care. It's not bad. I think if you do, you should probably, maybe you should get a t-shirt or a business card. And if anybody happens to get silly and want to come up and say some dumb shit to you, you can just hand them your business card. All it will say is, hello, I'm Kristen Beck. Uh, Google me before you start talking (laughs) shit. Cool. (laughs) Be well. (laughs) And then just walk on, walk on down the road. The old Vietnam vet used to have a business card. And on PTSD and under heavy medication. Yeah. You know, if uh, you cross this individual, they'll probably rip an arm out off of you and beat you with it. It was like, it said something on there basically that I have massive PTSD and I'm, I'm under heavy narcotics, so just leave me alone. This is your warning. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah. your warning. Just Here. stay over there. Here's my card. Well, Here's I, my card. I heard you talk about having an issue because I know you do a lot of work with with your Wounded Paw project and, you know, you have a service yeah. dog yourself, correct? And you were yes. talking about yeah. somebody, I guess, just kind of not following the rules, you know, in a public setting. And I just don't know what would make a person want to be such a prick in the first place. But then also just to, to be in a situation yeah. to where you actually have to get serious for a second and say, hey, man, this this is my buddy here you're fucking with. And uh, yeah. he is keeping me calm right now. So please stop fucking with my dog. Or we're gonna have a problem. <laughs> and it's I can't understand <laughs> yeah. people that here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing about service dogs. The thing about service dogs is and people if you don't understand, you don't know that hey, just don't pet the dog, just leave it alone, it's working. If you don't know that and then someone tells you and then you keep doing it, yeah, that's messed up. Yeah. You know? The thing about service dog and why you don't want to pet a dog, because petting the dog is a reward. See when a dog gets petted, it's going, Oh my god, somebody's paying attention and they're like they, they dig it. Dogs love to be petted. It's a reward, right? Yeah. And so if you're if it's if it's my service dog and you start petting it, you're giving it a reward for not paying attention to me, which is counterproductive or to the dog for screwing up. Right. Well, it's counter it's counter everything. It's like what's the word for it? You're giving it mixed signals. So it's like if you had a if you had a kid who was you know. What's something that a kid does a lot that's always wrong? Just that you're ye- constantly saying no to. Yelling or doing it. You know, kids are kids. Yeah, they're yelling. They're, okay, so you have your, your son is peeing right onto the center console of your TV. Yes. <laughs> and that's not where you're supposed to pee. You're supposed to pee in the bathroom. Come on. While you're peeing right there. <laughs> but, but while he's peeing on the center console of your, of your TV, you're handing an ice cream cone and going, hey, good job. Yeah. It's like, no, you're... You're doing something wrong and you're getting a reward for it. That's not cool. Yeah. So if people understand, you don't you don't pet the service dog because it's messing up the training. And the thing is, also a service, there's always refresher training, always reinforcing the higher training it got. So when a professional trainer finishes training the service dog, that professional trainer has to also train the owner so that the owner understands 
you know, here's the command, here's how you do the command, here's how you reinforce this, here's how you buff this up. And then so the tra- the owner is trained by the trainer as, as well as the dog, and then you're constantly buffing the dog up and you're putting them back through training. And so when people start messing with your dog, you're actually going sideways out of the training that it needs. So I, if I do that, if I'm on trips, and I know the dog is getting kind of loose or the dog is kind of drifting away, I'll have to put the uh, e-collar back on my dog and then go to the dog park and go through an hour going back to the basics, you know? Yeah, just give so that's what it's, it's super expensive. <laughs> it's $25,000. Oh, if you want to train a service dog, it's $25,000. So, I mean, this is no joke. So when people randomly start petting a service dog, or petting a dog, this is, this is like you going over to somebody's Harley Davidson and you start rubbing dirt in and up. The dog costs twice as much as a Harley. No. You know? That's rude. So, this is rude. The other thing I say to, say to people, oh my God, that dog is so cute. How old is it? And I start asking a whole bunch of questions about it. It's like, so if you see someone in a wheelchair, you start asking them how old the wheelchair is. Oh my God, that wheelchair is really cool. Like, what color is that seat? How old is that wheelchair? How long have you had that chair? So you, people have service dogs because you have a disability and, and the dog is enabling to go out in the public. It's enabling you to do more things. Right. that you normally couldn't do. And so the same thing if you're in a wheelchair, if you have crutches, if you have, if, if there's any type of, uh, if there's something that's helping you to hearing aids, because I have hearing aids too. So if you have something that's helping you live a more normal life, people just don't mess with it. Just leave it alone. Yeah. And a conversation is to me, it's not to my hearing aids. It's to me, it's not to my dog. You know, it's to me, it's not to my crutches or to my chair or to whoever else. You know, I'm right here. Why do you keep talking about the dog? This dog is just, it's a, it's my aid. You know, if you get to be good enough friends with me or you're not just a random stranger, then yeah, you can, you'll start seeing a dog and you start knowing the dog and then maybe it's a little different, but not just passing me by on the street. People are weird. <laughs> I, I don't know. Everything else about it and pet that. Boundary yeah, issues. It drives me crazy. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's dogs. <laughs> people like dogs. So it's, I get it. But some people are just assholes. And I think that's part of the problem with the service thing is, unfortunately, there are people that are just kind of assholes. They want to carry their, their chihuahua around in their purse. And I guess that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if that's what you want to do. But the problem is, is it, yeah. it sets a bad precedent for people who really need like highly trained professional service animals. You know, it, it makes a weird yeah. interaction. You're talking about like, the fake service dogs. There's a ton of fake service dogs There's that the are making peacocks. the rules change. To, <laughs> the, the fake service dogs are making the airline start drawing up rules about dogs. So it's getting real stringent. And so they're going to eventually, they're going to ruin it for a lot of people that really need those dogs. So the American Disabilities Act, uh, there's actually clauses in there about religious institutions. So really? if you're a religious institution, you don't have to actually let all service dogs in unless it's someone who is uh, visually or uh, hearing impaired. And I think those are the only two caveats that they have to let those dogs in. But other dogs, if it's a dog that has a task of uh, for anxiety, PTSD, for doing blocking cover, or doing some other task, and uh, they're not really, uh, they're not really uh, lawfully have to let you have that dog on there because you're not uh, visually or hearing impaired. That's crazy. So you can't take a dog into church yeah. any, so were, anywhere, basically. But those caveats, those caveats were added, you know, later on, and soon you're going to start seeing more caveats and more things added to the act because of people bringing fake dogs in. So the airlines. You'll start seeing things start cropping up. But the airlines right now are becoming really stringent about paperwork and about, you know, people bringing dogs on. 
Nevertheless, yeah. it's I, the girl and the peacock. And I, I don't like assholes. Uh, I have a very low tolerance service for pig. people. <laughs> the service pig would be pretty cool. You can't really knock a service pig. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the service pig would be good. I, I like service bacon better, though. I mean, be if I had good. a whole bunch of bacon, I could say, God, was my service bacon. You just get off a flight. So I could just sit there like, and eat bacon. My bacon service. 24 hours a day. It's like just a big slab of bacon. <laughs> I think that would be yummy. You don't understand, motherfucker. This bacon is keeping me on path. (laughs) This bacon is keeping me calm. You better back the fuck up. Don't touch my bacon, bro. I just said, beep. You better back the beep up. This bacon is keeping you (laughs) free. I love it. That's so funny. Kristen, yeah. I don't want to take up too much more of your time because I know that you got stuff to Are do. you good? And I know it's so, late. So I, you read a lot about me. Yeah. You read a lot about me. If you can think of one question, what would be one question that a lot of other people would want to have answered? You read a lot about me and people always read stuff. What's like a myth that I can break or a stereotype or a question that you know that everybody would be wondering about? Hmm. I just put you on the spot big time. Sorry. Do you want me to be completely honest? Yeah. Is there anything that you miss, like genuinely? About the military? I miss tons of stuff about the military. I could go back in right now. I'd say that to, to all, of, all of the younger younger folks who are in the military right now. If you're on your first enlistment, if you haven't even finished your four years out yet, think about what you're doing because I've been out for almost 10 years now. He's and that 10 years has flown by so fast. I know. I did. I did my twenty years, mm-hmm. and my twenty years was over quick. That's so. And once long. you finish that twenty, you have retirement for your life. You can basically retire. You have full medical. You have full everything. You have paycheck coming in every month. You know, and twenty years, you would not believe how fast that goes by. I have when I was younger, and I was still in. You know, I was in at my ten years. I was at twelve years. And I would go back to my old hometown, and I would have every time anywhere I'd be going, and somebody would start saying, "Hey, you know, hey, what's up, Beck? What are you up to lately?" And I start talking about the military and this and that, and this is before nine eleven. And uh, they say, "Man, I did, I did four years, and I got out. You know, I'd be at twenty five years right now." So they would always say, and I swear, everybody that everybody that leaves the military before twenty, you can ask them right now, if you were still in, how many years would you be at right now? If it's like right around a 20 to 30 years old, they'd be like, I, I would be in at 25 right now if I would have stayed in. And they were all like so upset about not just to hold on, not just trying to finish it out. And I miss it. I've been out almost 10 years now. And I was like, man, if I could have just done my 30. It's you know? so it's so intense, Kristen. And that's what's crazy is I guess, you know, when you're in it, maybe it doesn't seem the same. But just the idea yeah. of being expected to, to give that much that much time, that much effort, that much energy to something like that. Yeah. It's just, I saw something the other day that said that people that do a long time in the military also have a very similar characteristics of people that do a long time in prison. Did you know that? Prisoners. Yeah. Mm. I totally know that you institutionalize. It's kind of interesting. I 100% agree with that. I've it. read that before. Mm. And when I read it, I was like, man, that's bullshit. And then I started thinking about it. I was going, no, that's not bullshit. That's actually kind of true. Yeah. <laughs> like if you did, if you took a prison population and you put them together with a whole bunch of dudes that were in like 20 years, you'd probably almost not know the difference. I'm just saying, you know, just like, you're basically and, like and, a lifer, Kristen. <laughs> like you, you have given half of your yeah. your time yeah. on Earth <laughs> to the military and the highest yeah. level. I, I saw a yeah. quote from you that said, I guess somebody asked you why you wanted to be a Navy SEAL and you said, it's just because we're the toughest people are. I want to be that. 
And it's yeah. like, holy fucking shit. Yeah. You make me feel lazy. You make me feel tired. Nah. I just, it's the toughest of the tough, but you know what? When we have days off, man, we'll just be there and just watch the, watch the waves, you know? And we'll just chill out. You know, it's not, it's not always 100 miles an hour. It's not always going to be, you know, even if you ran in the toughest field that you could ever think of, and I can think of one in particular, but I won't even mention his name. But there are some of those seals that are going to wake up this morning and run and do all this stuff. And they're going to have that image of being a tough little tough. But you know what? You still kick back and you still chill and you still have your time. You just don't see it, you know? Just like in the seals, like you don't see us when we're packing up all our bags and we're loading the pallets or we're cleaning the engines or we're doing... We're down there in the armory. We're cleaning the weapons out. We're setting stuff up. We're cleaning our dive rigs out. There's a lot of other stuff that we do that's that's just not the glamour stuff that you don't see. Right. But it's the same thing, doing the run or doing the swim or the oak course. Or you're going to see that one hour of some really tough working out, or you might it might be three hours. But what am I doing the other, you know, 20-something hours of the day? We're going to talk about the Conan stuff. We're going to talk about all the bulletproof Superman SEAL team stuff. Man, I've seen some SEAL team dudes, you know, where we're just on the phone and we just start talking about stuff and then you, you kind of just start breaking down and because we do. So we are complex and multifaceted and we have our things. We, just don't, we don't always advertise it very much. And I think that might be one of the one of the issues with the SEALs when we, all that super uber tough stuff where people expect something different from you and it's like, no, man, we're humans. Yeah. We have stuff going on, you know, and I can talk to the you know, pastor and try to get some advice and bring me back down at a you know, spiritual peace. You know, I sometimes have to go into the psychologist and, and have a conversation. And, you know, why do I keep dreaming about spiders? I don't get it. And I started thinking about a couple of deployments when it was really bad with spiders. You got bit a couple of times. And then there were ants always crawling on one of my bed. It wasn't really bad. It was basically just on the ground. And you have ants on here crawling on enough nights. But sometimes I wake up and I'm getting all itchy and I feel like all those ants are back on me. It's just bite. So you talk to a psychologist about that. Why do I dream about spiders or I dream about all these ants and that? He says, well, so what? Tell me about some of your deployments. Did you ever have ants all over you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's remembering back. Oh, and then I say, well, what's up, what's up with the spiders, you know? And the spider dreams, I woke up really bad. It was a couple weeks ago. And it was a big spider, like right in my face. And I leaped out of bed. I was going, ah. And I don't know why the spiders are always there. Stuff that we don't talk about, I see. No. Because we're is... supposed to be these uber tough Superman and bulletproof and we don't have any weaknesses but tell you what man we're all humans you know and I've still never met 100% Conan you know I've met some 90% Conans but there's still that 10% you know soft gooey center you know it's yeah. like the uh, Flex Armstrong Flex Armstrong is tough man you can run him over a mile you can you can stretch Armstrong is freaking tough but if you ever get through Flex Armstrong is like the soft gooey on the inside you know I'm just being kind of funny I guess that's a dark dark humor but don't ever forget, man. We're all we're all humans, you know, and nobody's bulletproof, and nobody's nobody's Superman, nobody's really Conan. We're close, but nobody's ever. It's all in Hollywood. All the, it's all mythology and all that, you know. But humans are human, you know. We have toughness, and we also have some softness. We have strength, and we have weakness. We have you know goods and bads. We, you know, so that's what you have to realize, especially when you're talking to somebody, you know. So don't never on a pedestal. We're all the same. We just have different experiences. Kristen, I'm going to say something to you right now, and I hope that you don't get offended, but it's just from listening to your episode with Brooke and Randall and having what you just said to me literally just right now. Um, I think you're being honest. When you spoke with them, you mentioned that when all is said and done and you punch your check one day, 
that you have some sort of a, a manifesto, pardon the pun, but some sort of a log yeah. that tells a lot of your stories and maybe things that you've written down and logged along the years. And I really, I'm, I appreciate the, uh, the poeticness of that, you know? And I think that it's, it's yeah. beautiful to want to say like, you know what, peace, I'm out, fuck y'all. And you can learn about what was really <laughs> going on when I'm gone. But at the end of the day, you know, it sucks. And I'm going to use kind of a shit reference here and I'm not speaking ill. I understand it, but I'm just saying but with the Hollywood machine. Okay. The whole Chris yeah. Kyle situation. The whole American Snipers, the story, and Jesse Ventura, and just the whole thing that came after that, it sucks because he wasn't here to defend it. And I I love the idea of you having a story to tell that that is so crazy that people wouldn't even fathom, like can't even understand the kind of shit that I'm sure that you've been privy to and seen with your own two eyes. But I would hate for you to not be here to tell the story yourself. And I think that if it's just my opinion, I hope that one day you can find a spot to where you can actually write a book, you know, tell a story, do a show, do a podcast, you know, something to where you can actually take your voice and put it to your experience. Because I don't think anybody's going to tell it as good as you. That's a story that's going to be really tough. And there's only, what, 2,700 a year (laughs) and only about 40,000 people. That could even come close to telling a story that would know, you know, through your eyes what it's going to be like. So I hope that maybe one day you can can budge on that a little. (laughs) But I understand that it's probably a lot to think about. So, hey, that's just my opinion. I feel like I've sat in here long enough and uh, spoken to you (laughs) that, you know, I'm not an asshole. I'm just being honest. Yeah, that's cool. I've got some stuff written down that I'll probably release one of these days. I hope so. so. Yeah, I'll, I'll let something get out before I go. Lady so Valor. So you can talk about... Talk <laughs> Lady, about yeah, Lady, Lady Valor. Lady Valor is a wonderful documentary. I haven't got to see it yet, but I'm hoping to. Uh, yeah. I've heard, uh, and I think I've seen the trailer, so it's it's a, a nice... Okay, so here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing about Lady Valor, right? So Lady Valor is a documentary. It was filmed in 2013. So it was filmed like two or three years before the military even started thinking about open service for transgender people. Yeah. And so that movie was made kind of for that reason. It was made far before the military was thinking about this. And I was still working for DOD and just losing that job and just getting out of there. And uh, so we started filming. And I made that film pointed directly at the military and directly also at everyone who would have a problem maybe with transgender people. Yeah. And especially if you're a redneck... In the movie Lady Valor, there's a gun, there's a dog, and there's a beer in every scene. Yeah, and so yourself. if you're watching it, you're going to see a lot of dog, <laughs> dogs, guns, and beers. So it's I a pretty it. cool movie for you to watch. That's right. So, Get it but no, the, the message in that movie is it's a lot of SEAL teams and stuff and a lot of messages. But there's a lot of the military into there and just, just talking about military capability and worthiness and potential. And that's what the movie was mostly aimed at was the fact that we, we all have potential. We all have capability. And what does it take to be in the military? Uh, the military is not medieval, where everybody's swinging swords and having to wear armor and ride horses. The military is very high-tech. The military is fine. The military is cyber. The military is a lot of different things where we don't need, you know, Lancelot, and we don't need Conan. But that's only going to be maybe like 20% of the force will be the Lancelots and Conans. 
So the other 80% of the force, we want, you know, we want Bill Gates type folks. They're super human computers and everything else. We need a lot of people to do jobs that it doesn't require you to do pull-ups or push-ups or anything else. I, I want the best of the best to be in the military. And the best of the best is not always going to be about strength and speed and all that. It's going to be about your mental ability. It's going to be about your reaction speed. And maybe if you're an amazing gamer and you can really get that all together in the, in the earth, you know, the fly drones. Yeah, or you might be an amazing cyber world. And we need, we need those folks. And you never have to march. You never have to carry a gun. You never have to do any of that stuff. You don't have to do a pull-up ever, not even one pull-up. You know, you can eat Cheetos and drink Mountain Dew for every meal if you want to, but just be on the computer and be the best you can at doing your cyber work. That's the military that I'm thinking about. And so being male or female or transgender or black or white or Asian, Latino, the entire mix and all the attributes that we're having issues with in the military of the future, none of that's going to matter because your job is, you know, it's back at uh, underground four miles and a million miles from the combat zone. You're running the computers. You're running the drones. You're running this. You're running that. You're, there's so many other jobs. You're saving so we lives have to get our mind. at the end of the day. I mean, that's what, if we can all have robot wars, a lot less people will fucking die. Yeah. How about that? That sounds like a yeah. good plan to me. Yeah. And you want, and you want super computer guy who can't even do one pull up. He's going to be your most valuable asset. Right. He's going to be and the that, guy that flies the drone up the terrorist ass and, surround, and just yeah. takes out that one fucking guy. Yeah. So we don't and have so to that, blow up a so, whole goddamn building to take out one dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. I'm exactly. down for it. And Let's so that, it. that's the attitude. That's the attitude that I'm fighting. And that's what Lady Valor's made. Lady Valor was made for transgender, was for made. For that dude, computer expert that can't do one pull-up, this is, it's about capability. It's about potential. It's not about pull-ups. It's not about your misconceptions are or your own, you know, personal fears. The new military is going to be far beyond that. So we need to change our thinking about this. And we need to open up the scopes and open up the door to entrance in the military for a lot of people who have other capabilities. There was a study out about the Army, and I think it's actually a task and purpose article about the next generation. It talks about high school kids, I think. High school high school age uh, students who are too fat, too slow, and too something to even qualify for the military. And it was something like 80%. Oh, shit. And so the reason our, 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 everything we're doing right now and all the recruiting and everything else is so difficult because they have the restrictions. And so it, it already takes out 80% of the population can't even pass that first test. And so it cuts off 80% is already done. So we're looking for this 20%. How many people left over in that 20% even want to join the military? Right. And so all the recruiting and everything else, all, everything's low. A little slow. Because yeah. we're still we're still fighting a midi, medieval war. So we're we're looking for Lancelot. We're looking for Conan. It's like, dude, we don't we don't need those folks. Most of the people in the military almost never need to carry a gun, ever. It's like, no, if you're doing that job, you're fine. You don't need to go through regular boot camp. We want you to go through the super hacker boot camp and right here sit down at the computer here's your mountain dew here's your cheetos yeah go do your stuff <laughs> you can eat other shit besides yeah, mountain I, dew and cheetos but yeah. mainly mountain but dew and I'm, cheetos that's my, all we're giving i love you. my cheetos and mountain dew <laughs> it's, so. it's the I'm mre xbox, I'm, an xbox. <laughs> I, I'm crazy on xbox i'll just sit there for 12 hours playing i'll drink two liters of mountain dew and i'll eat like four bags of cheetos and I'll play Xbox for like 12 hours straight what do you play it drives my wife quite crazy Kristen, what do you play so i like fallout 
Fallout is one of my favorites. So, mostly role playing. <laughs> I, I'm really far like heavy. I'm heavy RPG. I, I like it. the open world concept, and I want to do my own things, and I want to be able to advance my character. Right. And I want to finish it with that one character, and this one character is going to be like a super white knight, really nice the entire game. And then I'll start it all over again, but then I go really dark. Right. Uh, then I try the whole game will be tried with this evil, really dark character. And then how do I build that up? And how do I react with the world and the open world content? Of but I, just, I just like doing different stuff. It's fun. Bless him. You're, you're the embodiment I, I'm a, of. I'm a, I'm a nerd. I'm nerd. I'm nerd now with my Xbox. You're a you're a walking so yang symbol, and I love it. Yeah. It's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah, you're I'm you're yin one yin of my yang. favorite people. I'm and yin and lang. I'm yin and yang mentally. I'm yin and yang physically. You know, Everything. if you want to talk about gender and all that, it's all yin and yang. You know, it's all balance. Well, so just find well, your balance. You know, I know you got shit to do. I got shit to do, and I yep. think we're gonna call it. <laughs> so go ahead. Uh, do you have any your plugs yeah. for your website or anything? Do you know that off top? Uh, any of your yeah. Handles? If any of y'all want to check out Lady Valor, go to ladyvalorfilm.com. So that's where that is. And if you want to follow me, all of my social media um, handle is all the same for Instagram, Twitter, for all of it. If you try to find me, I'm at Valor, the number four U.S., Valor for us. And I say Valor for us because Valor is never for one person. Valor is never for me. Valor is never just for you. Valor is for us. So Valor, the number four U.S., Valor for us. And you'll find me. Wonderful. Kristen, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I hope to speak to you again sometime soon. I hope all the good things happen to you and you alone. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll talk to you when a new movie comes out. Absolutely. Well, hey, you have a wonderful... But a, new, a new movie A new movie about my life is being filmed. So. Is it really? Well, uh, when a new movie... How did you yeah. hold on that till so the that, end? That what movie, the hell? <laughs> it's just a, it's just, it's not a big deal. It's just, man, okay, we're making a movie. Okay, so, we'll, we'll make a plan. So when now. that movie comes out, we'll uh, we'll do another podcast. Absolutely. Well, hey. <laughs> I mean, doesn't everybody have a doesn't everybody have a movie about their life? I think everybody has a movie and everybody has a podcast. So they're meant to go together. Yeah, see obviously. Soon. Yeah. So see there we go. Soon. I'll see, we have a future date. <laughs> we will reconvene at that point. Kristen Beck, you have a wonderful evening, and okay. thank you for coming by. All right. Good night. Thanks. Good night. Bye. Right. And that was my conversation with Kristen Beck. Y'all, I've had some very interesting conversations on this podcast, and if anything, tonight has taught me a lot about this person. <laughs> Kristen Beck is a goddamn American hero. And she's a savage. <laughs> and everybody that comes across her path should kiss her motherfucking feet for the time and effort and energy that she has put in for our freedom and for our way of life. I agree with what she said, you know, in the, the beginning and in this. We should take better care of our veterans, our fighting men and women. They give a lot of time. And... Uh, I guess sometimes thank you isn't good enough. Maybe I need to dig a little deeper too. So in the future, uh, we need to start making some plans, I think. And I'm fired up. Kristen, I'd just like to say in closing, you're a very inspirational person. And I love you. <laughs> I think that the, the world could use a few more people like you. And I think that everybody should try a little harder to be more of an example for this country. And for us as a people, you know, that's how we make progress and that's how we heal the world. So 
that's that. I, I I can't wait to speak with you in the future, and I'll keep eyes on you, and you're free to come back anytime you like. Thank you so much for your time. And with that, we're done with the show. Blah, blah. Sorry it was late. And to be honest with you, I waited a little later because I'm actually going to be off this weekend, guys. Uh, Mama's here, and we're going to have a birthday party for my little babe. He's turning three, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, let's get up into some business, shall we? Sponsors. www.spunklube.com. Yeah. Whether you have male parts or lady parts, any parts, really, if you if you need to lube yourself up to feed, to fit through a fucking door, that's fine. Spunklube.com has many options. They have an organic option. They have silicone-based, pure silicones, and a really, really nice house blend hybrid that uh, I think is just fantastic. I use it quite often. So for all your slacking and jacking and, and stacking, uh, put some slippery on your dick. Yeah. Also... We have merch.com. If you'd like to support the show, if uh, you'd like to have merchandise, I think that's better than, than straight up support. I don't like that as much. So please, you know, go to our store. We have merch.com slash po'boys, I believe. And uh, yeah, there's shirts, hats, cups, all kinds of cool stuff. You can get holiday seasons right around the corner. And uh, hey, I'd appreciate it. Go buy some stuff. And last but not least, biobidet.com. Now, you can go to biobidet.com and you can use the promo code POBOYS to receive 10% off anything on the site. Now, they sent me the Slim Edge. It was uh, the, the mass production model that they have. It's actually really cool. It's about 60 bucks, I think. With my promo code, it'd be 55 They'll ship it to you for free. So, there you go. Doesn't get any cheaper than that for your booty hole. Clean it up. Uh, I just got mine hooked up this week, and I had a wonderful experience. I bought a brand new toilet. I hooked up the bidet, got everything. Uh, We flushed the toilet, make sure it's not leaking, and then I'm checking all the other fittings. And guys, I would like to say this because nobody else happened to mention it. Uh, BioBidet is a wonderful product, and I think they make a fine console to put inside your toilet. However, they really should probably work on their regulators a little bit. Now, I understand you want a little pressure when you're trying to rinse, you know, different uh, wastes off of your hindquarters. But after I got everything hooked up, I turned the the control knob to turn it on and just a little. I'm talking a frog hair. And I saw the little nozzle kind of pop out uh, just a couple drips of water. And I go, okay, well, so that's how that works. Cool. Well, I wonder, you know, what is the lowest setting? Let's see how how the pressure is. And y'all, I turned it an eighth of an inch. I didn't even get like, guys, I barely fucking touched this knob. And a jet of water shot out of my toilet like a fire hose. It hit me in the titty. And I jumped back. And then, uh, you know, as I jumped back, it came down and hit me in the thigh. And for a moment, I'm standing in my spare bathroom getting covered with water uh, and screaming like a three-year-old because I'm getting doused. So, guys, I would highly recommend maybe uh, a little better uh, regulator on the old bidet toilet. Because later what happened, after my wife pretty much threw a fit and said she wasn't having it, I said, you know, we haven't even tried it yet. Don't be such a stick in the mud. She's 
fine. <laughs> Everything's cool. She goes in the bathroom to vacuum. And when she does that, my son goes in and turns the knob. Uh, it blasts the toilet seat up and immediately starts shooting a jet stream of water across my uh, my spare bathroom. And, yeah, it was quite crazy. So, other than that, <laughs> it's a great product. Wrenchy Booty Hole. Feel clean every day. Bioba day. And that's it. Uh, y'all be sure to like, subscribe. Uh, tell your friends, tell your mama, tell your friends, mama about the show. You can leave a review. You can do all that stuff, y'all. All I really want you to do is listen and tell your friends. That's I appreciate that. And I want more people to know about the, the people that I have come on, uh, the, their, their projects, the things that they're into. You know, I'm very interested in, in helping in whatever way I can. If that's to put them in front of you guys, then that's what I'm going to do. So be sure to share it if you'd like to contact me on Twitter at JodyB501 at PoBoyPod. And that's it. We're out of here, man. Y'all take it easy, and I'll see you after Thanksgiving.